Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and together? you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Yes, you do. This is Annie for Showreel. And today we're going to look at some of the things that are going on in the Australian film industry. Today we're going to talk to Sue Goldfish. Her film is called The Last Goldfish. It's a tantalising title, you've got to admit. And later on we're going to talk to someone about a film that's just coming out. It's got a, It's an Australian film that's got a release. Charlie Harrison's going to tell us about the uh, work that he did on a film called Innuendo, which is going to be shown, I think, uh, probably uh, exclusively at Nova. It, uh, I've seen the film. It's a very, very interesting film, I'll have to say. But before we go on, let's uh, hear from an important filmmaker who recently had a birthday. My name is Pat Bisk. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I've made lots of films like Rocking the Foundations, For All the World to See, Love Marriage in Kabul, uh, and many more. Show your love. Subscribe today to 3CR. That's right. Subscribe. We're always here waiting for your moolah. Now, Sue, you're on the line, aren't you? Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I loved your film. Your film was so fascinating. Oh, great. I'm so glad you got to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great film. Now, uh, it's going to be part of the Jewish Film Festival, and it is, as you say in the film, a, a documentation of your journey into your father's life. Yeah, yep. And my kind of search to work out what happened to his family. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they've got the they their individual story uh, is uh, chronicles some of the terrible history through the Second World War, the the fate yeah. of uh, people, uh, your family, in fact, uh, yeah. with the rise of Nazism. Yeah, and it's you know trying to tell a story like that today is just sort of perfect in terms of what's happening with refugees at the moment. You know what the Australian government's doing to refugees. Um, yeah. I felt like the the story. It's so every time I went, you know, I, I would kind of investigate what was happening to people in Nazi Germany in 1938. You start seeing all the signs of how fascism develops in countries and how fear is spread and xenophobia and racism, and then how people are expelled from countries. People flee for their lives, and then they're so dependent on other countries opening the doors and it's just it really started such a big ball of you know thinking around a whole lot of stuff to do with belonging and you know where where you having the right to belong 
Yeah, uh, the business about becoming one minute you're a member of a community and then you're a stateless person. They even had a special yeah. passport passport saying you were stateless. <laughs> well, I know, and that, that, that was an incredible thing, that there actually was an organisation that provided people who were made stateless with a document so they could at least travel somewhere. And even though the, it meant that they couldn't go back, whatever country, you know, that had taken away their citizenship, it gave them at least some kind of document. So my father and his first wife travelled on this passport called a Nansen passport. And when I looked into the Nansen passport, just even the kind of politics and the humanity that was behind setting that up was a great lesson that we could learn today. And and my father, when he... Because he ended up in Trinidad, um, Business. So we, you know, he he kind of got on the first boat that he could to get out of Nazi Germany with his first wife because he'd been arrested and um, you know he had to get out. And he basically just bought a ticket on the first boat out of there, and it was going to Trinidad in the West Indies. And he didn't even know where that was. And you know, he left a European winter in the middle of um, December, and then arrived on a tropical island on New Year's Day. But he was really lucky because 12 days after they arrived, the British colonial authorities stopped that as an escape route. And in fact, boats weren't allowed to drop off um, refugees after that. So he was really lucky. And that was the other thing in doing this story, how much of, you know, what we have in life is based on luck, you know, with these stories of displacement. I was really fascinated by the way you actually made this film. I mean, it was incredibly mm. personal. Uh, and I was going to yeah. ask you, I was thinking when I was coming here today, to, I wanted to ask you, because we have to reveal that much of this story is told through photographs. And, yeah. and it's very much like telling uh, someone a story around a coffee table. It's very personal. Uh, did you... Th- you, yeah. you knew the story, but did you know the story and then find the things that would tell the story, the artefacts, or did you have the artefacts and then told the story? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. The, the artefacts inspired me to make a film because even though I didn't have a lot of moving footage, I did have some. I had yeah. my father's home movies, and there's something about that grainy, beautiful, kind of faltering aesthetic that's just beautiful to work with. And then I had my father's, these photographs, and even though I didn't really know half the time what the photographs were, there were this incredible snapshot of his life from the 20s and 30s in Germany. And he was a young man, and he loved photography, so the photographs are beautiful. Yeah, he's a great, so, he's a really talented person, your father. Yeah, 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 he, yes. Yes, definitely. And so that, that inspired me to make a film in, in terms of the aesthetic. But I was also really fascinated with the idea of making a film just from person, a personal archive. So how, you know, we as artists might make something that just basically came from stuff that's under the bed. Yeah. You know, and how you kind of open that box up and, and open up the storytelling through just very ordinary objects and documents and and so it did it became a storytelling exercise like the narration is 
it's basically me taking you through this story. But in the present, it's not even... I'm not telling you about what I did. I kind of really wanted to take the audience with me from the age of 14 right through to, to now, that you felt like you were coming with me along the way, that every door that I opened, you came with me as I discovered stuff. So it was the whole script was really structured around creating a very present driving narrative. But it's unusual. It's, it's The person who I worked with on the narration you know, had never worked on a film with that much narration. Mm. And I think partly I was inspired by, I don't know, do you know William Yang, the photographer who does, he does, um, he's a photographer, but he does these wonderful shows where he shows photographs and he tells stories. Right. Okay. No, I don't. And he, I'll look out for that. He's, um, and I worked with him on three films because he's getting older now and he can't, he tours a lot telling these stories as a gay Chinese Australian man Mm. and they're very popular and he got to this point where he just thought I can't keep touring so I'm going to, I'd like to try to make some films and I worked with him on those so I sort of had a little bit of a run up to how I would approach my own story but in terms of Knowing the story, when I started writing the script, at least half the film hadn't happened. So it really <laughs> yeah, was right. a documentary. Exactly. <laughs> it was a documentary in that sense. It's, even though I had a good idea, I had no idea where I was heading with it. Um, in fact, I thought it was going to end a couple of times and then something else would happen and it would be like, oh, no, it's not finished yet. I've got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got uh, long fingers, doesn't it? Because uh, the, even down to the... Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but the uh, little wood, uh, it's gold gold bricks that get... Ah, uh, the Stolpersteiner, yep. yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a really fascinating yeah, connection, to, yeah, connection to German modern life. Uh, were they, which part of uh, uh, Germany did your father come from? Come from? What, what, he, his family came from the southwest. Yeah, Germany. That's so right. The city of Ulm and the city yeah, that's of right. Laupheim. Yeah, that's mm. yeah, and so that's sort but, of interesting he, too. Yeah, and but he was born in a little town called Bad Ems, which was a kind of holiday spa town, and his mother and father had had bought a small hotel, which was a kosher hotel, and that was their business, and that's where my father was born, and in fact. In terms of talking about the, you know, the threads of these stories continuing, the long fingers, that hotel, which is a big part of the film, that I'm kind of looking for this place that I can't find. I kind of know there's a hotel, but I can't can't find it. But I go off and, you know, I'm looking for it. And in the end, I do find it. But um, only recently, someone wrote to me from Hamburg, the city of Hamburg, and said, I went shopping in a flea market in Hamburg and I found these two little jugs and inscribed on the side of the jugs is E. Goldfish M's. And I looked up goldfish and I think they may come from the hotel and the E. Goldfish is Eugen Goldfish, yeah. which is my grandfather's name. And so, again, the story, it just it's almost like all these objects are just resonating in the world, kind of waiting for someone to kind of go, yeah, we know what you are. We're going to, you know, we're going to remember this. You know, we're going to, yeah, bring this back. That's really quite shocking, isn't it? Memory or something. 
Yeah, yeah, it's like a slap yeah, of water it's, it's on your very face. Very surprising. Oh, everything about and this. And the whole film is like that. Yeah. So many, so many discoveries come from just an email arriving or someone ringing up. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and your whole world in that moment just completely shifts and you find something else out. I just found it absolutely captivating. I mean, not only are you a great titler, because, I mean, you can't <laughs> beat The Last Goldfish. What a great title. Uh, well, I have to say my girl, my girlfriend, Deborah Kelly, actually came up with that. Well, <laughs> I take my hat off to her because it's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it just... All it's, credit. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of luring, alluring uh, or like a fish. You're fishing. It is. The whole film is like yeah, that. Yeah, and it comes from the film because it literally was when I started understanding that my father's silence around his family because was because it was so they terrible. basically had all disappeared. Yeah. And I and I ask him that I go, isn't there anyone left with our name? And he says, no, you're you're the last one. And I just can't believe it. You know, I just go, this is impossible. And that's. You know, this is back in the 90s. It's sort of one of the impulses I have to go, I'm going to find out what happened to everyone. Maybe someone survived. Maybe somebody had, you know, a daughter or a son and there are other children. And so that's part of the film is, yeah, just refusing to believe them, the last goldfish. Anyway, it's great. It's a great film. Where do people get to see it, Sue? Well, in Melbourne, it's I think it's playing four times at the Jewish Film Festival. So if people could go to look up the Jewish Film Festival, The Last Goldfish, there's four sessions that are on. I'm going to come down on November the 12th, so I'll come down and do a Q&A. That one is selling really quickly, though. Mm. But I'd love people to go and see it. Deborah, my partner's from Melbourne, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of her family and friends and... but. Yeah, I really hope Melbourne enjoys the last goldfish and comes along. Oh, well, I'm sure they will. I mean, they'll be missing out if they don't go along and see it because it is, one, it's a, a lovely, nuanced and poetic piece of filmmaking, but the story is oh, absolutely riveting, I'll have to say. Fantastic stuff. And Annie, it's really, it's a pleasure have, talking to someone who's actually managed to see the film before um, having an interview with me. It's, um, <laughs> most people are interested in the story but it's great to actually talk to, talk to you because you've seen it. That's really fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. Okay. Bye. Bye.
You're back with Annie on Showreel, and we've got some live guests here. Uh, we've got Heidi Salander and Charlie Harrison. They were both involved in a film called Innuendo, which is uh, going to have a season at Nova. Hello, you guys. How are you? Hi, good, thanks. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yes. yes. And I'm well too, thanks. How yeah. about you? I'm pretty good. good. I'm, I'm happy. Everything's is bopping. Yeah, I've got nothing but interesting people to talk to today. <laughs> I mean, I was just saying to you guys that I uh, watch Innuendo when uh, the Melbourne Made Festival was on, and it is a Melbourne Made Festival, but of course the director is Melbourne, but Finnish as well, so it's got a little Finnish yeah, uh, t- a tinge to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, bit of a Finnish tinge. Yeah, <laughs> about about twenty percent of the film was shot in Finland and is in Finnish, and the rest of it's Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. And it's a it's a very interesting film because uh, uh, Sarah Lemberg, who is the director, writer, and probably ferociously producer as well, yeah. um, has managed to get this film, uh, you know, no, a theatrical release at Nova, but. Uh, it's absolutely uh, mind blowing, really. This film, the, it's it's creepy, and it's uh, it's a it, it basically it's about a woman who is uh, a stalker type. Except uh, it's really where the world is related to her and her belief structures, and she manipulates the world around her to fit into her needs. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty nice description of it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah, and she doesn't just stalk one person. No, no, that's either. right. That's, <laughs> that's the other thing. She stalks. That's why I you thought know, I'd change it's that. Not like, yeah, I mean, she does stalk people, but not just yeah. not not your average. She's a poly stalker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. I She's like a... that word <laughs> exactly. What was it like working on? I mean, that that piece of music we were just listening to. Uh, 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 fear cause fire is actually your piece of work, isn't it, yes. Charlie? Yeah. Um, what was it like? Because it's all very atmospheric. This film. It must have uh, you aren't just in charge of the music, but you're in charge of the soundscape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's a great project to work on because weird is good with music. I think you can sort of you can just go crazy and and try a few different things out, and just it's just about creating the tone really. So uh, and, yeah. and and actually that's quite interesting because innuendo, as the name implies, is all about tone. It's not it's not a horror movie in the sense of uh, you know uh, garish uh, blood spurting. It's actually quite horrible and horrifying, but in a very mood oriented way. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely sort of psychological, yeah. kind of mood thing. And, and it, I think. That the sort of horror element, as it were, which I wouldn't even put it into that category, is is more subtle. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quieter than. Yes, in it, your it face. requires you to yeah. have a bit of imagination. Mm, but and, but it's very clever and and stay stay focused when you're watching it because it does move along in different. Um, in different capacities, and and you're as an audience member, you're then required to sort of. Thread them all together at the end and and figure it out. So mm. you know you you do think about it. It's a film that you think about way beyond just 
you know, the next few minutes after you've left the cinema. That's right. Sarah is a very focused uh, person. She's uh, written it and she's the director. Uh, What was it like trying, because you you did quite a few things, Heidi, on the film. Yep. And uh, some quite important uh, things that often people overlook. If you've done a good job, it's like with a dinner party. (laughs) If you've done a good job, nobody notices. Yes. So you did the makeup. You did a whole range of things like that. Mm -hmm. To get that right, what what were you... What was Sarah after? Uh, So this was the first film that I worked with her on. We've since collaborated on two other feature films, um, one of which was hers again. One was a... um, So that was Westermark Effect and also uh, Cult Girls, directed by Mark Bakaitis, and we collaborated on that together. But Innuendo and another short film called Half. Um, But with Innuendo, uh, it was the first time I'd met her. Um, and I, she was on the front of the leader newspaper, and I got in touch with her and said, I'm a makeup artist, I've had experience in films um, because I'd trained as an actor many years ago. Do you need someone? And I think pretty much from the first time we met, there was just a click and an understanding. Um, visually, we both went for the same sort of look when we spoke about makeup. But then I think because of my past experience, she invited me along uh, to a casting. So I was involved That's in That's really cu- interesting, isn't it, it casting? Absolutely. And, and, um, and I felt really privileged to be asked, not just physically, but also when she was going through the process with um, video auditions that people had sent in. What do you think? How do you-? So already right from the beginning, there was... I, I sort of had stepped up. She didn't officially make me her assistant, the director's assistant, until the first day of filming when I, she said, can you move my car? And I said, yes. <laughs> and it was in the city and I was really nervous. Uh, but you just, that's it. I think the thing with getting on in this business is saying yes all the time. You just say yes first, do it, think about it later and, and then she said, I came back and she said, right, you're my assistant. So that's then followed on. I've, you know, we, we phoned people to organise meetings when she went to the American film market. So, you know, I'm, I'm phoning up America and Korea and Hong Kong and Japan and all these companies. She shoots big. Oh, absolutely. And just thinking, ah, wow, I just said yes to all of this. So it's also an expansion of of my capabilities that I didn't realise that I had. There you go. <laughs> Did you have the same experience, Charlie? Yeah, um, pretty similar, yeah. It's, it's, it can be quite... Um, What's your background? Um, my background is just music in general. I'm from England originally. I, I, I tweaked. Yeah, <laughs> still a giveaway. And um, I've worked with Sarah on quite a few of her films, shorts and uh, the features as well. And it's just a really good relationship, really, because she's happy to sort of hand off with the music. I think sometimes a director well, she's can... decided that you actually know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, I mean... No, 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 that's... <laughs> no, that, I know. It, it, it is a great skill. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's why I say that she's a very focused person. She's a very powerful person. Yeah. And she needs good people around her to make it happen. So... That's yeah. what she's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, she you trusts need you. you need that. I think as a director, you do need to, at some point to be able to let go a little bit. And same as with 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 Heidi, or with the director of photography, she's able to just let you bring your own thing to it rather than micromanaging too much. Yeah, because that, that would be horrifying. 
Yeah. So yeah, as a, as a composer, <laughs> she has she has a lot of things to micromanage anyway. So yeah. you know, del- yeah. allowing those people who she trusts to just go with it. Yeah. Well, well, sound is absolutely crucial to the success of a film. Absolutely crucial. So uh, how do you work? What's your uh, way of uh, dealing with – do you have a chat around the script or what do you do? Yeah, we we talk about it right from the the very beginning. So it's not like you just go, okay, here's the film, put some (laughs) music on it. So I've I've known about the film since the first draft of the script and – Another useful thing that Sarah does is rather than talking specifically like, right, okay, I want violins here and I, and I want a piano bit there, she'll just talk with more sort of abstract words about mood and, and that kind of thing. Um, and we just discuss about something. Like, it's even a big decision to think, well, this scene is actually really good without any music. Let's not yeah. let's not just put music over everything and ruin it. Let's give it, let it breathe mm. a bit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, linking and uh, moving and all, that. and there's lots of mood in this film. So, yeah. uh, thanks for coming in and talking to us. It, it, believe it or not, we've come to the end of the show just like that, without any time left over. For so, we're going to play another piece that we've been given from the film. It's called Fragile, right. and you should actually get on to if you want. To, if you're a devotee of Australian films, you really should go and see Innuendo. Yes. So it, it's on tomorrow, tomorrow, Tonight, t- no, tomorrow, tomorrow night, night, Friday night. It's definitely <laughs> on it's Friday Thursday night. Today. It's yeah. Thursday today. It's Thursday today. So tomorrow night, six thirty at Cinema Nova. It's a, it's going to be a massive. It's the end of the season. It's the closing night. So. Um, and there'll be door prizes and um, a, a surprise in the theatre beforehand. We'll all be there for a Q and A. Um, yeah, the DOP will be there, yeah. the editor. So if you want to ask any questions, just in general, even about filmmaking. Very good actors in this film. Actors as well. <gasps> Fantastic. They'll be there. Yep, yeah, they're going to the be there. The bloke in that's really good. Brendan Bacon yeah, yeah. is superb. So yeah, and Emmy Hazel. If you yep, want to ask about the industry. and Karina Sorelli, one of our actresses, she plays Frenchie in it. So 6.30? Nova. 6.30 Nova, yep. yeah. See you there. <laughs>
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.